0: For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Mm. Only grace upon grace upon grace upon grace is true grace. Mm. And that is exactly what he is filled with to overflowing.
1: That maturity in the Christian life is is needing Jesus more, not needing Jesus less. I believe that. We don't kind of graduate out of, of needing him.
0: Welcome back to You're Not Crazy, um, Gospel Sanity for Young Pastors. I'm Ray Ortland. I'm with my friend Sam Alberry. Hey, Ray. And here's why we're doing this. Uh, Sam and I believe in you. We believe in your future. We, be- we value your ministry. And we're here to, uh, uh, Jesus said to Peter, strengthen your brothers. And that's what we're doing here. And sort of the foundational commitment of this podcast is our reverence for both gospel doctrine and gospel culture. Um, And gospel doctrine is the message of God's grace for the undeserving. Gospel culture is the experience, the shared experience in a church community the experience of God's grace for the undeserving. And Sam, we want in this episode to press into this area of, since life is foundationally painful and disappointing, tears are inevitable, losses, griefs, sorrows. A major theme in Gospel-centered pastoral ministry is bringing the comfort of the Lord to suffering people. Um so let's let's just jump in. What what has God taught you, Sam, about receiving and ex- receiving the comfort of the Lord and extending that, sharing that, turning that around and giving that to others as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, um there there have been as you know that and as is the case for many people there've been some some very dark seasons that i've been through over the years and although i wouldn't want to go through those again or wish them on anybody else they were sweetened by having a sense of comfort from the lord um i th- th- i think those have been the times i felt closest to god strangely enough and the the, the two main ways i've certainly felt myself receiving god's comfort one is is through his people and one is through his word. Um so in terms of through his people, I can think of a very dear friends who've who've walked with, come alongside, prayed with me, um, encouraged me. I remember Ray sitting in your your living room um probably about three years ago, in a very, very dark season. And um I don't think we'd known each other long at that point. But I remember you asking me a question that has stayed with me ever since, and I've mm. I've since asked others this question and it's ministered to them as well um, i remember you saying to me i was feeling nothing but condemnation mm. accusation uselessness failure everywhere i looked all i could see in myself was was just failure um and you <laughs> you asked me the question um do you think jesus regrets getting involved with you <laughs> <laughs> And it was such a helpful question because I thought the answer can't be yes because then Jesus is an idiot. Hmm. And whatever else I know about the universe, Jesus is not a fool, which must mean Jesus doesn't regret having got involved in my life, which must mean I'm not a lost cause and things aren't hopeless. Hmm. That one question, I don't know whether that was a question that just came to you in the moment or whether it's something you had pondered yourself but that really helped that really helped I'm, I'm so grateful um and a couple of scriptures in that season particularly helped as well i was um reading through romans 8 and minding my own business as we do and <laughs> in that list towards the end of the chapter where paul asks um what what shall separate us from the love of christ i had never noticed before as he as he lists out some of the things that we might think could separate us from the love of Christ he drops in the word distress hmm. um so verse thirty five who shall separate us from the from the love of Christ or tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I'd never noticed the word distress, but distress was what I was feeling yeah, and distress of a magnitude that that could make me think everything must have gone profoundly wrong with my Christian life if wow. I'm feeling this way yeah. Um. Oh God, must take my guts. Mm-hmm. So it was a great comfort from the Lord to think, actually you know, my experience of distress can't separate me from the love of Christ. That above the the clouds and the storms as I'm experiencing them, there is the sunshine of the love of Christ. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is is in Matthew eleven, a verse we've we've mentioned before, but but uh, Jesus saying, "Come to me, all who are weary." and uh heavy laden and i will give you rest and just thinking actually what jesus wants for me is is rest for my soul um he's not he's not wanting to torment me um there would be times where he does allow me to go through trials there would be times when he does rightly discipline me but he's he's actually wanting me to find rest in him and that was a comfort even if it felt a little theoretical uh to think no, that that is that is his goal for my heart is to is to find rest in him
0: when he sees high maintenance sinful us coming toward him with yet more need he's not rolling his eyes thinking look you should you should get it by now yeah nor is he thinking oh no i feel overwhelmed i feel outclassed um what do i do When high-maintenance sinful us move toward him, he lights up. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Mm. Only grace upon grace upon grace upon grace is true grace. Mm. And that is exactly what he is filled with to overflowing yeah he's not uh, intimidated by our failings and shortcomings and portrayals it's amazing
1: and i think one of the things i've i've learned in recent years is that that maturity in the christian life is is needing jesus more not needing yes, jesus less i believe that we don't kind of graduate out of of needing him
0: so we are pastors who sin and suffer caring for people who sin and suffer mm the ministry of the comfort of the Lord lies at the center of our calling. Um, of course, Isaiah 53 uh, says that Jesus is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Mm. He is personally familiar with everything that we go through, yet without sin. And he so following Jesus inevitably means more suffering. Yeah, If we're following the man of sorrows acquainted with grief, we will become men of sorrows acquainted with grief. Hopefully. <laughs> and that's not that's not something to brace ourselves against. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to yeah. follow Jesus into suffering. But we also follow Jesus through suffering. He takes us there, but he doesn't leave us there. For example, in 2nd Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So this life is a story of suffering and deliverance. Suffering and deliverance. Now, the reason why I lean into that is this. It's the whole question of suffering and comfort. It's another both-and. And And we never want to take one of God's sacred both-ands and break it apart into our own either-or. Both and both I am broken, and he has grace to deliver me. Mm. If all we're saying is, "Oh, I'm so broken, I'm so broken, I'm so unable," it becomes uh, self-focused and even self-pitying. Mm. There is not only, for example, second Corinthians 1:8, this is a very honest verse. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That is raw. That is real. That is transparent. It's not self-pitying. He was, they were pushed to the edge of their own capacities. Mm. Um, so we have biblical warrant for honestly facing the buffetings of life, the losses of life, the weaknesses we discover within ourselves. Let's own up to it all.
1: It's striking to me that, that an apostle can, can feel that overwhelmed.
0: Yeah.
1: And again, he, I think we sometimes think we've got to at least look like we've got things basically together.
0: Yeah, he was, he was not above it all. Uh, but he followed Jesus down into the depths of life. Yeah. So there is that. And Philippians 4.1 one. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. That is not glib and shallow. That is a joyful defiance Mm. in the face of sorrowful realities. When he says rejoice in the Lord, he's saying as long as the Lord is the Lord to us, we always have a reason Mm. to rejoice. Yeah. So we might weep and simultaneously rejoice. But it's not an either-or. It's not either, oh, I'm so broken, or I'm so formidable. But I am being pushed to the edge. I am on the verge of despair. And Jesus is going to deliver me from this somehow. I can't imagine how this is going to work out. But the one thing that cannot be is I'm being uh, absented from, separated from the love of God. Yeah. That the one interpretative template I would put over this experience is not the hatred of God, yeah. the rejection of God, the abandonment of God. We're never God-forsaken. So what we do is we kind of put our foot down and, and say, um, I have no idea how God is going to redeem this mess, hmm. but he's going to. Yeah. So I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and see what the Lord is going to do with this. But I will not cave
1: there's a, a lovely one of c. s Lewis's letters where I think it's just after joy has been diagnosed with with cancer, and Lewis is writing to some some friends of theirs, and he says something to the effect and I'm paraphrasing here we have no doubt that the Lord will be good to us, we just don't know how painful that goodness is going to be.
0: Oh wow, that's profound
1: but it's it's that sort of that lovely blend of confidence. And this is going to hurt. Yeah. But it's not just going to hurt. It's going to be hurting because the Lord is is going to be in this in some way.
0: Sam, in your own life and ministry, what is um, an instance of the the painful goodness of God? A surprising gift that was packaged in a way that looked horrible. Mm. But when you opened up that package, there was something beautiful there. Tell us about how you've experienced that and seen that unfold in your own life in some way?
1: Yeah, that, there would be, I think, a few instances I can think of, but one would be particularly um, times when I've I've gone through severe anxiety. Um, that instance I mentioned earlier would be a, a case in point where it felt like, you know, I think one of the reasons we've called this podcast You're Not Crazy, by the way, is because you said those words to me at that very at that very moment in my life um, and I thought I was really losing the plot. Um, but so much, I, I can see so much good that the Lord has done in my heart through going through that. Mm-hmm. Um, it has made me more aware of the tenderness of Jesus yes. than I would have been otherwise. Um, and I hope it's made me more tender towards other people as a result. I think yeah. I've I've got a deeper awareness of of the pain of other people than i would have had had i not gone through that kind of pain myself yeah. i i know i'm quicker to notice it than i would have been i can still be sadly and, and shamefully oblivious to, to to things that are going on around me but i'm i'm less oblivious than i would have been i th- i think i've i've learnt inconsistently and not fully and not exhaustively but i think i have learnt What you were saying earlier, that that Jesus moves towards us in our greatest need and mess, not away from us. He doesn't freak out and look for the nearest exit. He actually comes toward us in love and care. I think of Jesus and the leper in Mark chapter one. And there there are times in my life, spiritually, when I felt like a leper. I felt toxic. And to think in those moments, Jesus isn't withdrawing from us in disgust. He's moving towards us in love, and will even reach out and touch what looks to everybody else to be untouchable. Yeah. Um, and it's not going to contaminate him. It's, it's going to bless us.
0: That is so profound. And Sam, you're great at conveying that. You've conveyed that to me. We had a conversation last week that was very meaningful to me. I felt pulled back from um, having to relocate myself in my own self-understanding as as just poisonous and crazy. And you pulled me back by the way you responded to my disclosure to you. You pulled me back into calm and hope. That was very significant. I just, you know, all the young pastors listening to this, we all understand Uh. What you're talking about sam we revere the ministry of comfort Mm. we are not there on sunday mornings in our churches to get those people to shape up we are there to communicate to them the heart of christ for them in their sins and their sufferings yeah and that is a sacred privilege and we can trust that the gentle and lowly grace of christ is the only power in the universe that can deliver and save sinful sufferers. We can let our full weight down on that conviction, yeah. that belief, and serve accordingly. I remember, Sam, a conversation Jannie and I had with David Paulison in Philadelphia at the um, um, CCEF um, Christian Counseling and Education Foundation. David Paulison was a gift from above right when we needed it. In the worst year of our lives, we had the privilege of spending a day with David Paulison of all people. And I wish I remembered more of what David said to us that day, but I will never forget this one thing he said. He said to us, in effect, I don't remember the exact words. He said, okay, Ray and Jenny, you're going through living hell. And it's going to last for a while. You're not going to get out of this anytime soon. So here's what I recommend. Why not ask the Lord for a promise in scripture? Some verse that is very strongly encouraging, that deeply resonates with you right now. Ask the Lord for that verse. And when he gives it to you, that promise, uh, make it the theme of your life until you get through this. Hmm. Wallpaper your reality with that verse. And God will be faithful to that verse. So we thought, okay, that's a great idea. Let's do that. So we were asking the Lord, and you you know what it's like when a verse leaps off the page at you and, and God speaks very personally through the scripture. Well, about two weeks later, Jannie was reading 1 Peter 5 and bam, there it was, verse 10, which says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Janie read that. She said, Ray, listen to this. And she read it. And I, we both realized, okay, there's our verse. So we wrote it out on three by five cards. Jenny taped it to the inside of the kitchen cupboard so that when she went to get a plate or a glass, there it was. I put it on the visor of my pickup to remind me of that verse at red lights. I, uh, uh, memo- we memorized it. We discussed it. And Sam, to this day, when we see an evidence of God's wonderful grace in our lives, we turn to each other to this day. Not a week goes by. Hmm. We turn to each other and we say, first Peter 5.10, there you go again.
1: (laughs) I mean, there's so much in that verse that that is a comfort, but the the word himself is so loaded with with meaning, isn't it?
0: Yeah, he doesn't delegate this to the angel Gabriel. He gets personally involved. He himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. It's very wonderful.
1: I was struck... um, a year or so ago, reading in Luke two, when Simeon is at the table at, at the temple and he he meets the infant Jesus, Luke tells us that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and then meets Jesus, and then we have the famous Nunc Dimittis, and I'd never noticed before that that the coming of Jesus, whatever else we can say about it, is a consolation. There's a consolation in the gospel, and part of our ministry in In church leadership is to embody and offer the consolation that christ himself gives us
0: the people that we preach to every sunday many of them deeply fear or suspect they are god forsaken yeah and they're living plan b of their lives at best and what if we make it our purpose our sacred purpose and privilege to go tell them every week, you are so not God forsaken. Yeah. And you are living plan B, Plan A of your life. God's plan. Just cling to him, go to God and just hang on.
1: And I think a lot of people, particularly in the, in the depths of intense pain, are in church thinking they're probably not supposed to be there. That I'm not supposed to be someone who feels this amount of pain and distress if I'm a Christian. And so part of our ministry is, in the way that we lead services, and the way that we preach, um, is to show people you are meant to be here. Yes. Whatever you're going through, this is the place to be.
0: We deeply fear, you know, I'm, I am uniquely flawed and poisonous and toxic and other. I don't belong here. These other people, they're fine. They yeah. belong here, but not me. And we go into our own personal isolation. What if we pastors go and just, pull, as it were, pull people together in our arms, through our ministry, through our message, through our words, through our persona, and truly represent Jesus himself in that yeah. way? What if we do that this Sunday? Man, great things would happen. Um, we're
1: we're always grateful for, for the ministry of, of Crossway and their support of this podcast. But there's a particular book, Ray, that I, I have in mind, in the light of this discussion that, that is hot off the presses, um, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, it's by your son Eric, a book called Suffering Wisely and Well, uh, going through the book of Job. And I've heard Eric teach on this a couple of times now and his his wisdom in particularly helping Christian leaders, but, but all of us, be people who aren't just... It's not enough to say, don't be Job's friends. Don't be the, the idiots that they were. <laughs> but actually part of what Eric is training us to do is to to make sure we are protecting the Job's among us wow. from the Job's so-called comforters among us. I think that book is going to help us profoundly.
0: Yeah. Eric Ortland, Suffering Wisely and Well. He teaches Old Testament at Oak Hill Theological College in London. I used to think the book of Job is in the Bible as an, example of extreme suffering that almost nobody ever experiences. Uh, And so therefore the message would be, so what's wrong with you guys? I mean, go on, get it together. You're not in that condition. And I, I've completely changed my mind. I think the book of Job is in the Bible because everybody goes there. And the way Job wrestles with God and the way God restores Job is, uh, It's our own story. Eric takes that book and, uh, as a man who understands suffering himself, gently, respectfully takes us by the hand on a sort of guided tour of suffering wisely and well. We're going to suffer. Why not suffer wisely and suffer well? We could be great at this. (laughs) So, thank you, Sam. Thank you. You're Not Crazy is a podcast from the Gospel Coalition, hosted by Ray Ortland and Sam Alberry, produced and edited by Andrew Lapara. Check out more podcast shows from TGC at tgc.org forward slash podcasts.